This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 31 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we're going to a hangout from October 2015 where we have Richard Thomas from Hope Church in Worcester teaching on the Broadcast Theology training stream. Richard is talking about the death of Jesus and showing us four biblical pictures that help us understand just why Jesus had to die for us. You can find this full hangout, including a Q&A with Richard and the notes on everything that he had to say at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 31. So without further delay, here is Richard Thomas. Hi everyone, it's good to be uh, with you uh, talking about the death of Jesus, which obviously is going to centre uh, on the cross. Uh, my daughter got engaged well, about three weeks ago and uh, she never tires of showing everyone her engagement ring. Uh, in fact, on Sunday, uh, she said she was looking forward to going to church because it would look so good under the lights, uh, which is disappointing for the guys preaching, but uh, there we are. Uh, and I guess when we look at the cross in terms of what the New Testament says about it, it's a bit like a diamond in that there are many, many facets uh, that the New Testament speaks of, of one gospel, a bit like the facets are on a beautiful diamond that shows the glory of the whole. So uh, you can't have one without the others, and yet they're all separate. And so I thought it would be helpful just to start by looking at uh, four facets, New Testament facets of the work that Jesus uh, achieved and did for us on the cross uh, that are all New Testament uh, themes. And, and the first one of those is really a commercial picture, uh, a commercial picture. Um, the word is not particularly originally a theological one. It's the, the picture of what's called redemption. Uh, I don't know if you remember the story of uh, Hosea, uh, went to the slave market one day and, and bought uh, a down on her heels woman called Goma, uh, who happened to have actually been his wife, who had lived, shall we say, more than a little. Uh, and he had to pay over what came to be called a ransom uh, in order to buy his own wife out of disaster, out of uh, a profligate life. And that's, that's the word. Jesus himself, uh, referring to his own death in Mark 10, says, uh, I'm going to give my life as, as a ransom. Uh, the Greek word is, is lutron. I'm going to hand over my life like, like the loot, like the price for a slave to free you. That's a commercial transaction. And that's a biblical picture of what Jesus did for us uh, on the cross. Um, it's the same word that uh, the Old Testament uses of the Exodus, if you remember. Uh, I'll free you from being slaves. I'll redeem you. It's the same word uh, with a mighty act. Uh, with a, uh, an enormous price, the sacrifice of a lamb, works of power, I'm going to rescue you uh, from your slavery. That's a, that's a biblical picture of what Jesus achieved for us on the cross. And it's a commercial uh, picture. It's no accident, therefore, that Jesus timed his, his death 
with the Passover, remembering the, the, the lamb that was slain, which was a, a price. Uh, and that's, that goes all through into the epistles, 1 Peter uh, chapter 1. It, it wasn't with silver or gold that you were redeemed, that you were ransomed, that you were bought out, out of slavery, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. So he's, he's redeemed us. You get the same thing in Galatians 3. He's redeemed us. He's, there's been a transaction to free us from the curse of the law. All of those are a, a commercial kind of picture. Uh, allied to that, but slightly different, is a different uh, category, perhaps the one we're more familiar with of the work of Jesus on the cross, which is a sacrificial picture. So we've had a commercial picture, paying a price to free a slave. Then there's the sacrificial picture. Now, obviously, we don't live in the West, at least, in a culture of sacrifice uh, in the way they did in the Old Testament. But I guess those of us that have been in church any length of time have have sung songs uh, about the blood of the Lamb, which is a sacrificial picture. You remember John the Baptist, uh, first the first one that pointed at Jesus and said, look, there's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Again, it's a reference to the Exodus uh, language and the, uh, and, and the sacrificial lamb that was slain uh, so that their sins would be passed over. Uh, the angel of death wouldn't visit them. He passed over. Uh, and that's a whole thing that we could look into, uh, but it's reflected in the New Testament, perhaps especially, uh, my mind goes to um, Hebrews, quite a lot of Hebrews, but Hebrews uh, 9, that Christ appeared once uh, for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Uh, And he goes on to say he was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, unlike the animals, of course, which were repeatedly uh, sacrificed. So that's Hebrews 9, verse 26 through to 28. Sacrifice. Jesus, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't politics getting out of control. It wasn't Judas's decision. It was Jesus redeeming us, paying a commercial price, if you like. It was Jesus's sacrifice for us. And uh, connected to that, under the sacrifice, uh, there are many New Testament words, uh, but the idea of a substitute, a sacrifice, is in our place, isn't he? Uh, a sacrifice takes our place instead of us, uh, which again reflects Old Testament symbolism. Uh, back in Leviticus, uh, you remember the high priest put his, would put his hand on top of the sacrificial burnt offering, uh, and that was accepted. Uh, God said, I'll accept this on his behalf. In other words, instead of him, as his substitute. Uh, and Jesus himself refers uh, to himself uh, in in that kind of way as he sees himself as the suffering servant, as the sacrificial picture. He was pierced for or instead of our transgressions. Isaiah 53, he was crushed for or instead of our iniquities. Our punishment was on him. Uh, The Lord laid on him the the iniquity or, or the crookedness of all of us. So it's a, a substitute instead of us. Um, the same verse we've already referred to in, in Mark 10. Uh, Jesus said, I haven't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom 
for or instead of or in the place of many people. So it's a substitute. Uh, Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering. Uh, Ephesians 5 verse 2. So Jesus was our representative, dying for us all. Uh, my favourite verse on, on that subject is Hebrews uh, 10 verse 14. By one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He's made us perfect forever, but we're in the process of being sanctified, being made holy. So that's all these facets, these different uh, aspects of the diamond, which is the good news of Jesus. Redemption is a commercial picture, sacrificial picture of the sacrifice of the lamb, the substitute in our place. Uh, perhaps those that are, are, are more uh, keen on reading the margin of the NIV or have an older translation of the Bible will have seen the word propitiation. Well, we're getting into uh, uh, trickier stuff then. Uh, but basically, our sin is taken away. And theologians call that expiation. It's taken out from us. Uh, but, but a person is offended. That's God. And he's satisfied. His wrath his anger, his right resistance and opposition to sin, his need to, out of his righteousness to punish it, is satisfied, it's propitiated through the work of Jesus on the cross. Most, uh, A lot of us, I guess, are reading uh, the New International Version or others like that, and you have to look in the margin, and it, it often just says a sacrifice of atonement. Uh, but it's that word, propitiation, some, some sacrifice that, that deals with the anger of God. Um, 1 John 4, uh, 4 verse 4, he's the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, it puts right what was wrong so that two parties separated can be made right together again. So the sin is taken away and the person's offence is dealt with. That's all really uh, a picture of the sacrifice of Jesus. Third picture, we've done a commercial picture. We've done a sacrificial picture. Uh, Here's a third one, which is the legal picture, another facet of this glorious uh, diamond. Our guilt's been removed. That's, That's a legal picture as God declares us not guilty, uh, justified, just as if we never sinned, as the old song says it. Uh, Acts 13 says, through Jesus, Acts 13, 38 and 39, through Jesus, everyone who believes is justified. That's the miracle of the gospel, just belief, just placing trust in Christ. Everyone who believes is declared legally not guilty by God the Father. That's an amazing truth. Uh, It's a truth not just for a theological lecture, but a truth to worship and to adore God for. Uh, Romans 5 verse 1, since we've been justified, declared not guilty through faith, we have peace with God. That's only possible because another has suffered in our place. Uh, So all the facets of the gospel hang together. He can only declare us not guilty because another has taken our guilt. Uh, Not only is our guilt removed, but righteousness 
is credited to us. And although we're talking about the death of Jesus tonight, uh, his whole life was to achieve our salvation. Uh, so we don't have a righteousness of our own. He not only takes away our guilt, he credits us. It's all accounting language, really. He credits us with his righteousness. It's echoes of Abraham, isn't it, in the Old Testament. Abraham believed and it was credited. It was put to his account as righteousness. And exactly the same is said of us uh, in, in Romans and in Galatians chapter 3. So Paul writes, uh, again, in, in Philippians 3, I don't have a righteousness of my own. Uh, I don't know about you, I'm so glad I haven't got to go about establishing a righteousness of my own from keeping all the laws and rules, but I have one which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, a righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. Uh, it's a wonderful thing that legally God himself, the judge, has declared us not guilty and more than not guilty, he's accredited to our account the righteousness of Jesus. So Jesus' whole life was about our salvation as well as his death. Uh, he took on all the obligations of obedience towards God and discharged them on our behalf uh, so that his uh, righteousness is then credited to us. And because of that, because our guilt's removed, and our righteousness from God has been given, we have, we have peace. We have a relationship that's restored again. The dispute, the legal dispute between unholy people and a righteous God has been dealt with. Uh, so John chapter 1 says we've got the right to be children of God. Uh, God has reconciled us to himself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that's been removed because Jesus has paid the penalty. Uh, God made him sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Uh, that's an amazing thing to be able to say. Uh, I, I'm, I, I'm no longer sin. I've become the righteousness of God. And that's, that's the legal picture. Uh, there's our condition, but that's the legal picture. Uh, and the last picture bit less than half an hour, I think, quite a lot less. Uh, but the last picture I want to bring from the New Testament is what I would call the triumphant picture. Uh, that uh, it says in Colossians chapter 2, Jesus disarmed the authorities and powers. He made a, a public show over them, triumphing over them by the cross. And, and I know that leads into... Uh, uh, Joel's talk in, in another three weeks' time or whenever it is, but uh, sin and death and the kingdom of darkness are now doomed to extinction. Uh, they've been demonstrably triumphed over through the cross and the resurrection. So you and I continue to wage war. Uh, we continue to reach nations and neighbours we continue to plant churches. We continue to be a worship, for, uh, a, 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 a witness for Christ. But we do it all following a triumphant uh, Christ. And they're, they're some of the aspects of the beautiful diamond, which is the gospel. And uh, that diamond's best seen, I think, like diamonds in a jeweler's shop uh, against a dark background. 
um, no one puts diamonds against a bright background. They always put it against a dark background. And uh, we have to ask the question, why, why was the cross necessary? Uh, and it's necessary for, I, I think, three, three reasons. Uh, and the first is our big problem, as well as the solution, is God. It's the nature of God. Uh, that God in the Old Testament and the New Testament, Hebrews 9, 22, for example, says uh, the law of God requires cleansing with blood, i.e. real death. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. So the nature of God requires the cross. Uh, and that's true because of our universal sinfulness. Uh, sin entered the world through one man and death came by sin uh, Romans 5 12 and 19 because we've all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and that's true for all cultures at all times Jews and Gentiles alike if you like are all under sin so the nature of God universal sinfulness and thirdly that self-help doesn't work Self-help is completely ineffective. The Bible says in Romans 8, the sinful mind can't submit to God. It's hostile to God. So uh, we have the situation where we are, we're dead in our sins. We're held captive by our sins. We're dead. We need to be raised to life. We're held captive. We need to be freed. We're caught in a current and need to be rescued. Uh, and that's why Jesus came and gave his life on the cross. Well, we hope you found this hangout with Richard helpful. If you'd like to get access to the notes on what Richard was talking about, plus a Q&A with Richard on this very topic, please visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 31.